Welcome to the Florida State Podcast of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, where we showcase student entrepreneurs to learn about the startups they are working on, check in with alumni to hear about the companies they are building, and learn from seasoned entrepreneurs who have built amazing companies. Hosted by Mark McNeese, a serial entrepreneur who has started for-profits, non-profits, social impact companies, and is currently entrepreneur-in-residence at the Jim Rand School of Entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Florida State Podcast of Entrepreneurship and Innovation. I'm Mark McNeese, your host. Today we have the pleasure of Becca Cunningham of Cunning Company uh, out of Atlanta, Georgia, here with us. Welcome, Becca. Thanks, Mark. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so you're here for Seven Under 30. That's uh, FSU's big event where they invite seven entrepreneurs uh, who started companies before they were 30 years old to come back and speak. Um, Usually guys are treated pretty well, like royalty. How's it been going? It's been great. I mean, as soon as they were like, we're going to take care of your flight and your hotel, I was like, I am in. Um, So it's been really nice so far. So are you excited about speaking this afternoon? I am. It's been really great to get to know all the other panelists. So Mm -hmm. I feel like they've been kind of grooming us to get comfortable with each other and talking and then getting to talk to you today. So No, I I really appreciate you coming in. I know that they have you very busy and and (laughs) but it's been really fun kind of you know, you're, you're only speaking for like seven minutes, right? <laughs> yes. So this is kind of a nice way that we can dig a little bit deeper into your story and your entrepreneurial journey, you know, and spend some time so everybody can like, after you speak, and like, oh, I want to hear more <laughs> about Becca's story. They'll be able to hop over to the podcast and, and, and check it out. So tell us a little bit about Cunning Co. Well, Cunning Co. is a watercolor illustration studio um, based in Atlanta, Georgia. It's just me, and I also say my French bulldog, Louise, because she paints with me all of the time. Um, But so basically, I create stationary custom watercolor goods, um, textiles, and teach workshops. So anything revolving around watercolor illustration, I've kind of carved out a niche to market it and sell it. Okay. So why, why watercolors? Um, So I have always been a painter. Um, My whole life I've always loved art. Um, I went to a magnet high school for art. Um, And so when I got into high school and college, though, I kind of went away from that and did more of the business retail merchandising side. Um, But it always stayed a hobby that I loved to do. And it was always super accessible because paints, watercolor paint is cheap. It drives fast. um, And it's just something that helped me like decompress and relax after like a long day. So okay. that's kind of how it started. So where are you from originally? So I grew up on Long Island in New York okay. um, and I lived there till I was 13. Okay. Um, then my family moved down to St. Augustine, Florida. Oh. Um, so I always like say that ending up in Atlanta is funny because it's kind of the best of both worlds. I'm right okay. in the middle. Of, what do you mean by that? Um, just because I feel like New York, um, very fast paced, mm-hmm. very diverse. Um, and Florida is like way more chill and relaxed and beach culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so Atlanta, I think, has like the best of both since I could pop down to Florida, see my family, or but I still have like the hustle and bustle of the city. Okay, nice, so, nice. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when did you go to FSU? Um, I was at FSU from 2012 until the spring of 2015. So I graduated super early. <laughs> right, you did. Yeah. Uh, so why did you choose FSU? Um, For the retail merchandising program, um, it was the only one in the state, and um, I've heard great things, and they also had a study abroad program that I took advantage of. Okay, where did you go? Um, It was the retail merchandising Paris and London trip, um, and that was just the most incredible experience. That was definitely my favorite FSU Experience, yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's amazing. Um, 
So, uh, three years, you kind of accelerated it. Did you yeah. did you start Cunning Co. right out of college, or did you start it when you were in college? How did it come about? So, when I was in college, I actually had a different business. Um, it was called Becca Bands, and <laughs> I used to sell um, and sew these uh, fabric headbands. Are you wearing a Becca band I, right This now? is actually not a Becca band. <laughs> I should have. That would have been a fun throwback. <laughs> Um, but so I actually started that um, while I was in the major and I honestly did that just to make extra money on the side while okay. I was in school. Um, I also worked all the way through college. So I worked at um, the limited doing floor set um, and then did school and then had Becca what, what's bands. What's floor set? Um, so floor set is basically you go into a store at night mm -hmm. um, after it's already closed and you set up all of the displays um, oh. for the next day okay. so you're like making sure the store is looking great and you're also following guidelines that corporate gives you to like arrange the store okay so it was a great job for a retail merchandising okay. major. where was the limited at oh my gosh it was in governor's square mall oh, is governor's that the name square of it yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it hasn't been that long I but I, mean, I think i've been to the governor's square, uh, square mall like once in 15 years living in tallahassee it's not really mine, yeah i think i don't <laughs> I know if it's still there or not yeah, it was definitely a very old school mall setting. Okay. Um, but so that was my first business in college um, was Becca Bands. But then after I graduated, I actually did um, the corporate New York thing. Okay, um, what did you do there? I worked for West Elm. I worked in for product development and sourcing there. Mm -hmm. So I helped develop um, fabric for upholstery sofas okay. for a year. So, okay, yeah. and then... You moved to Atlanta? Yes. To, uh, and why did you move to Atlanta? So I actually moved to Atlanta to pursue building Cunning Co. Okay. Um, after working corporate and doing something that was a lot more like logistics based, mm -hmm. I was really craving something that was entrepreneurial and creative. Mm -hmm. um, so while I was still working at West Elm, I started um, painting more and more. And then I just got a lot of custom painting requests. Um, and as I was learning about like the production process, at West Elm, I was like, you know, like I already know how to like produce a product um, because I worked in sourcing. Mm -hmm. um, I already know how to like make a product, design it as far as like the illustration. So how could I kind of marry these two things? Um, but as you know, like living in New York is very expensive. Very expensive. Um, so Atlanta just felt like a better choice for me to be able to take the risk to start a business um, in a more like economically um, gracious atmosphere. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about the the process um, of of Cunning Co. And uh, so, what what was like your first product offering? Uh, was it a studio? Was it the cards? Uh, you know. So it actually started out with a single dog portrait. Um, okay. It's and to this of day, no, it actually oh. was of a um, someone from that I went to high school with mm -hmm. that I wasn't even that close with sent me um, a direct message on Instagram, the okay. power of social media. Mm -hmm. um, and she had seen, I was just painting in my spare time. And she's like, I love your style. I would love to get a portrait of my dog. Um, and at the, that time I had never sold a painting. It was just something that I did for fun. Okay. Um, so it started with that. And then the second- What'd you charge? I think I charged honest, I think I gave it to her for free oh. at the end of it because I was like, oh, I'm just so flattered that you want so for the entrepreneurs out there, aspiring entrepreneurs, that's a terrible it's, business It's model. very bad. Don't do that. <laughs> um, and honestly, it's something that I still struggle with. Um, I'm not giving things away for free anymore. <laughs> but I think that um, when you're new into that space, mm -hmm. especially something that's creative where you feel like you're oh, imposter syndrome or you feel like, oh, well, what if like, you're just having to find your own value as an right. artist. 
Um, so definitely had to learn how to like grow my pricing structure as my time became more valuable. I right. gained more experience. Um, so, yeah. so from the puppy portrait, <laughs> uh, uh, like that, where did you go from there? So obviously since it was just me, I realized, hey, like doing all these custom commissions isn't really a scalable business model. Okay. Um, just because I could only paint so many mm -hmm. dogs. Um, so then I was trying to think of something that I could produce um, that I could just order and have multiple quantities produced. And at first I was thinking about doing textile production since that was my background. Okay. Um, so Cunningco actually started out with a lot of um, tea towels, um, linen goods, oh, okay. um, throw pillows. Mm -hmm. um, but since I was completely self-financed, I realized that took a lot of overhead to invest in fabric because they have um, very large minimum order quantities. Okay. Um, so I was like, so what's something that's cheap that I could produce? And then cards came up. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I fell into stationery since it was something that was um, inexpensive to produce, easy to produce. Um, there was a demand for it and it's something that could easily translate from a painting into mm -hmm. a product. Um, so is this an e-commerce business? Yes. So originally I was doing direct to consumer mm -hmm. um, through my website, but then I found with cards, you have to sell a lot of cards to individual people. Right. Um, so then I actually got into wholesaling, okay. um, which was fantastic because I actually learned a lot about wholesaling um, in the retail merchandising program. And then um, while I was building Cunningco in the beginning, I worked at a stationery store. So I was sell I was working there, but then also wholesaling cards to them. Oh, um, so it was kind of like I got the inside so, scoop. <laughs> and you got to sell your own product. Exactly. You're like, hey, these cards are really great. Or did you yeah. say I did these? I usually would not say if I like that I designed them because I was always curious to just kind of see like, oh, like why did they pick that card? Or they're buying this card with this other brand of card. So they. I think it would be so hard if somebody like picked <laughs> something you did and they're like, oh, that's terrible. Did that ever happen or like, I don't like that? Honestly, or, I mean, like with card, stationary people are so nice. Oh, okay. um, and also for a lot of people, it's not a super emotional purchase because it's something that a lot of people actually throw away unless they're putting it on oh, their refrigerator. Funny, like when I buy my wife cards, like I spend a lot of time. To You're try a thoughtful to, one. <laughs> I try to pick something that, that, you know, I mean, I know that she's not going right. to keep it forever, but just something mm -hmm. that, like, it's obvious that I spent some time right. thinking about it and I didn't just grab something at the gas station. or Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, the, the good thing is it is an emotional purchase in that way, but it's not, like, a high um, investment cost. So it's right. not like when you're buying the card, they're not, like, some picking apart are. it. <laughs> some of them are really expensive. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. I think, like, the standard greeting card now is around $6. Yeah, so. So what's your average? Um, so my price point retail. is four fifty. Okay. So I try to be a little bit below like the premium cards. Um, it gives me a competitive edge. Okay. So, so um, for those of you watching YouTube, I'll try to get some some examples of your cards so we can put them up so you can you can you can see them. And uh, uh, what's your website? It's cunningco.com. Okay, um, cunningco.com. Yes, okay. but um, I've actually since taken down my um, online shopping feature. Oh. Um, because now I'm kind of moving into more of the workshop 
um, space as far okay. as um, my product offerings and doing more like high-end custom um, as well as just doing um, wholesaling so okay is there are there examples of your work on your website yes though? okay yeah so, so you could see um, I designed a couple of products for anthropology so you could see those online um, you could also see all the past workshops that I've done and then my future workshops okay so is that a direct pivot like why would you pivot from the online to more of a studio experience um, I think it was honestly like a shift more towards back towards the art itself and spending more time um, because I'm the single illustrator right. um, I find that every season I had to design an entirely new collection of cards for every season every occasion and it was starting to show as, since as an artist, you know, you're pulling all this inspiration, but season after season, mm -hmm. um, I was like, wow, like, I really want to put more care into my work. Um, so that's when I started doing more custom, um, like wedding invitations, um, just custom portraits, a lot of um, different, like, wedding um, gifts, anniversary gifts, um, things like that. Okay. So. so let's talk a little bit about the, um, the studio experience. Mm -hmm. Take us through it. What, like... Uh, who who's your customer? Is it groups? Are it single people? Uh, uh, are you doing classes? What are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. So, I would say that my demographic is definitely women. Okay. Um, it's very feminine. My style. I think watercolor is naturally something that's very light and airy. Of course, not excluding the men, um, but I think it's just something that women naturally gravitate towards. Um, so definitely that space. Also. I realized that a lot of women that buy my work um, or come to my workshops are people that don't necessarily work in creative industries but are just really craving mm -hmm. accessible art. Um, sometimes I think the art space could be very intimidating um, as far as like buying art um, or like taking an art class. And so I really um, want to like be an approachable brand. Um, and so I think I very much appeal to like nurses, um, people that work corporate jobs, um, because they're like, wow, like, I just like this really beautiful, like, light, um, uplifting piece to, like, put on my desk or buy a card that has a print on it that I'll save and put on a corkboard later. Um, so what kind of, like, so are, are, is this a series of classes or is this an event? So it's an event. Okay. Um, and so it was born after I was doing all the cards and the commissions and people were like, actually, I really want to learn how to do this because mm -hmm. I got so many compliments on this card or painting mm -hmm. and it's just something that I'd be curious on learning. And um, on my Instagram channel, I would always post a lot of time-lapse videos. Okay. Um, and I think that's when people started requesting the classes. Right. Um, so basically, it's a, like a very casual community event where you could sign up. Um, all of the equipment, like supplies, are provided um, mm -hmm. in the course cost, and then I provide like wine and flowers, and everyone I was just ask. yeah, it is uh, like a wine and wine and flowers yes. kind of thing. Um, but the thing is, a lot of times with the painting um, workshops, you go, you don't get to keep the supplies, and it's very much learning just how to paint a specific thing. Mm -hmm. um, whereas this is more of a comprehensive course where I want you to be able to learn the foundations of watercolor so you could go home and continue to paint on your own time. So does everybody paint the same thing? Yes. Okay. So each course is actually tailored to a different subject matter. Um, so for example, I, and usually it has to do with where I'm hosting it. 
Um, so each of my workshops are usually hosted at a brick and mortar retail location. Okay. So I partner with local businesses. Oh. Um, it's mutually beneficial because yeah. it brings customers into the store. Um, they have a couple of glasses of wine and then they go shopping. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, I did one in Brooklyn, New York at um, the West Elm in Dumbo, um, which is right by the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, and that painting workshop was a mid-century modern furniture course. Okay. Um, so they were painting like um, like just mid-century style modern like sofas and lighting, um, very simple. But I try to tailor um, what they're painting to like the environment they, they are in. So it feels just like an inspiring space. Okay, so I, full disclosure, I've never gone to one of these events, <laughs> yours or anybody else's, but like I've seen them on TV and stuff. Right. So are they all like in a circle, like in the canvases are up or what's it look like? So with watercolor, you actually paint flat. So oh. it's great since you could just do it on whatever table is mm -hmm. there. Um, usually I try to arrange the tables in a way that everyone is able to talk to one another. Okay. Um, so usually I'll do like a, like a little square shape so people could see each other interact and then I'll walk through um, and give guided instruction. Has somebody ever spilt their wine on the table and, and on some Oh my goodness, work? not yet. Um, that would be me. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like a very non-intimidating atmosphere. So mm. it's like if that were to happen, I'd be like, okay, we'll make that into a flower. You know? Okay. <laughs> That's why I was uh, invited to the governor's mansion and I was sitting next to the first lady and I tried to cut my fish and it like slipped oh, no. and my fish like jumped over. Uh, she was very gracious about it. That's She's so like, funny. I, but yeah, I'm a I'm not the most graceful guy <laughs> in the world. So and yeah, uh, so, so so is there like a cost? I mean, obviously there's a cost, mm -hmm. but uh, there's a cost and is it like? all the wine you want to drink or like how's it how's it work like you know right so when coming up with the pricing for it um it seems obviously like it'd be hard right it, it was difficult because i want to be able to buy materials that are high quality mm -hmm. um and then i also want to provide enough wine um but i still have to make a profit right exactly um so i as far as like the wine, I just go to Trader Joe's and I load okay. up on a um, two buck check. Okay. Everyone seems it's fine with it. It's now two ninety I know what's <laughs> happening, um, but so as far as that goes, I build that into the cost of the courses. Um, but then also just keeping in my margin, like I'll, I definitely have to account for my time, um, right. and not even just the time of the workshop, but it's the time setting up, the time to make the course packet, um, the time it took just to go to Trader Joe's to buy the two-buck check. Mm -hmm. um, so factoring all of those things into my um, like overall cost. So you've been doing this since what year? Um, so Cunningham started in 2016 okay. officially as and the LLC. This, this pivot where you're moving from the cards to, mm -hmm. to the experience, um, how long have you been doing that? Um, so that, the first workshop launched in 2017. Okay. So I quickly realized um, I wanted to transition from a purely product-based business into a more service-based business mm -hmm. um, a year in, um, since I, as I was thinking about how I wanted to scale and grow. Um, and also, I really think that my purpose is deeply tied to building community. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. Um, and I also really want everyone to be able to feel like they're creative. Um, because I think that when I was working in my corporate job, it's really easy to feel pigeonholed like, oh, I'm not creative because I'm not in a like creative 
title job. Um, so it became like really important to me. Like I want people to feel like they have a space that no matter what their job is, they could come and paint and learn something new and be creative. So how, how many of these are you doing a week or a month? Um, so I did seven classes last year in total. So it's okay. a very like exclusive premium experience that I put a lot of thought into. Um, so it's not something that I'm just like churning out. Okay. Um, and it's kind of a great balance because I have the workshops, then I'm working on a commission, then I'm selling like a design. Um, my biggest client to date has been anthropology. So doing work for them. So it's a really cool business because every day is different. Um, I'm always using a different part of my brain. Um, and But all of it at the end of the day surrounds watercolor illustration, which is my passion. So. So do you have to have a second job or is this your only thing that you're doing? So this was the only thing I was doing mm -hmm. um, for around two and a half years. Okay. Um, but because I am completely self-funded, um, mm -hmm. I've worked since I was 15 years old. My first job was at a Chick-fil-A. Um, I recently went through like some difficult life changes that made it necessary for me to get a second job. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually also work at a social media consulting agency. Okay. Um, and our CEO, Chantel, was actually on the 7 Under 30 oh. panel um, a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, so it's been great. Because What's the company name? It's called Imagine Media Consulting. Okay. Um, and it's been incredible because I came into that job and she knew that I was an entrepreneur and I had my own business. and. She really empowered me to continue building my own business while also working full-time at Imagine. Um, so I think it's important, too, to just convey that you could still be a business owner and have to Oh, absolutely. Work. So. There's, there's <laughs> many of, I would say, us. I've done mm -hmm. it, it um, you know, owning a business and having, having a job, and, it, you know, it's tough. Mm -hmm. So what's been, what's been some of the biggest challenges that you've faced with Cutting Co.? Um, I think definitely shifting my offerings um, because at first when I thought, okay, I'm leaning 100% into cards. Mm -hmm. And then when I was reaching certain roadblocks, um, I had a choice. I, I was thinking, okay, I could hire other designers um, to produce more products, but then I'm losing control of like the aesthetic. Um, and so I think like being willing to shift since I think as an entrepreneur, sometimes you can get so attached to the idea of what you right. wanted your business to initially be. Um, so just allowing myself the freedom and the flexibility to be like, Cunning Co. could be anything, like, and it could change and it can evolve. Um, since sometimes, for some reason, I think it's also the expectation of, like, oh, other people already identify me as a stationary brand. How am I going to start doing workshops? Like, right. is this going to be something people understand? Um, so that was a challenge, um, and also just the feast or famine mentality. It's sometimes. It's really, business is really great, and then other times there's slower months. Um, I would imagine holiday times is crazy busy. So you're, yeah, so yeah. you're you're ramping up. Yeah, and especially I like with gifting, um, personalization is so important now. Mm -hmm. um, so everyone wants something custom. Yeah, um, the custom dogs, custom anniversary gift. Um, so yeah, the holidays are great. January one, <laughs> not not as ideal, but <laughs> yeah, I would imagine yeah, uh, New Year's Day for and then for a while. Yeah, you know, but and I don't think you answered this. Is it usually groups of people who all know each other come in? Is that your normal or uh, or is it your marketing it to individuals? So. Sometimes people will come in with a group of friends, but I've actually found a lot of people that take my workshops are individuals, okay. um, which I wasn't expecting um, because 
obviously like trying something new by yourself could be really intimidating. Yeah, I would imagine so. And it was very cool. Since the first time I held one, I think it was like probably 70% of the people there were just there trying something new for the first time by themselves. Maybe it was that they were new to Atlanta um, or the city that we were in at the time. Um, or, and so they wanted to meet friends or maybe like some of them went to art school when they were younger um, but haven't picked up a brush in mm. 20 years. Um, I had one woman that came for her 60th birthday and she oh. came by herself um, and she was like, I just wanted to do something just for me. Um, and just, I thought that was incredible. Have you ever had a student where you're just like, wow, they're a natural? Like oh yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's always interesting too because when that happens, I'm like, you should be teaching this class. <laughs> like, um, but I think too, I am a strong believer that everyone could paint. Um, mm -hmm. I think obviously there's like people that are extremely gifted, mm -hmm. but just like any other sport or activity, like the more time that you pour into it, the better and easier it's going to get. Uh, have you ever had somebody be so awful they cried? Oh my gosh, no. I mean, that's when like, you just keep pouring their wine and they're suddenly fine with it. Here's your own bottle. Yeah, no. So it's been a, it's always a very happy, positive environment. And even if people are being hard on themselves, like they're like, oh, I don't like how this is coming out. Um, it's usually like a very communal atmosphere where someone's like, well, mine is messed up too. And then it becomes a dialogue and... Um, there's probably a lot of laughter. Oh yeah. I try to be like Bob Ross. I'm like, there's no uh, mistakes, just happy yeah, accidents. happy accidents. <laughs> um, you say... You were at St. Augustine, right? Yes. Um, isn't there a restaurant called Columbia yes, or something? Yes, it's they a Spanish have, restaurant. And they have um, a portrait in there that was done with coffee. Oh, really? I haven't seen it's that one. It's a portrait of, I believe, the founder's uh, wife, and they painted it, and it's all... Yeah, it's... Wow. Yeah. I'll have to check that out next time I'm home. Yeah, no, it was like... Um, really really cool when i first went there i actually got to meet the current owner the other oh, wow. day he was visiting here at the jim Moran college and uh and i was talking to him about that and i guess it would be his grandmother or something mm -hmm. like that and obviously they cherish it it's right. really really cool and really interesting you know out of coffee and stuff that's like amazing that. yeah, yeah i figured you'd love that next time you're in st augustine Absolutely. is your family still there yes okay so not too it's a great restaurant so. yes it st augustine's beautiful too just like the historic downtown area and right. the beach i love getting to go visit them wonderful so um Tell me a little bit about your experience at FSU. Um, were there, uh, do you feel like it helped prepare you for what you're doing now? Was, uh, is there any faculty or staff that like really encouraged you along the way that, that you like to acknowledge? Absolutely. Um, so my time at FSU in the retail merchandising program was so valuable. Um, I was only here for two and a half years, mm -hmm. um, but the program really emphasized um, doing an internship. Mm -hmm. Our, actually, the whole last semester of the program is an internship. Um, and I think that having that opportunity set me up for so much success because that's actually when I did my internship with anthropology up in Philadelphia. Um, and the connections I made through that internship landed me my first collaboration with them. Um, to sell my artwork to be produced on holiday product um, that was in stores internationally. Oh, wow. So having the opportunity to have an entire semester to de dedicate to an internship, um, I think that was probably the most valuable. And then um, also the study abroad program 
And while I was on study abroad, um, I had two professors that were incredible, um, Gail Steed okay. and um, Undak Kim. Oh, okay. And yeah. so being with them over there was so, like, they're true prof retail professionals. Wow. Um, they're experts in their industry. And um, just getting to be in a different country with them, learn from them, hear about their experiences, and build relationships with them in a really personal way um, was just made me feel like, okay, like I have people in my corner that um, are just like full of wisdom about retail, merchandising, right. product development. Um, no, they're wonderful. Trend forecasting. Wonderful. Have you seen them since? I haven't been yet. You'll probably see them this afternoon. Yeah. Do you know that uh, the retail school is now part of the Jim Moran yes. College? So I work with them. Oh, very cool. Yeah. yeah, I was really excited to hear that because at the time it was in the College of Human Sciences. Right. And I was like, this is just such a natural fit to yeah, have it, it in the it, business school. It's been a great uh, partnership and merger and they brought so much energy mm -hmm. and, and now we're the best dressed college uh, <laughs> at, at the university so I love that's it. That's pretty cool. Yes. <laughs> Lots of, um, it was funny because when I was at FSU um, the uniform was uh, the big t-shirt and like the short, like gym shorts uh -huh. and sneakers but in my classes everyone's dressed up <laughs> all the time so I'm like putting on my dress to go yeah. to class and everyone's like what are you doing? I was like I'm in the fashion school. Yeah I know I like, I like my retail <laughs> students when they take my class because they come to, you know they come to class looking on point and they yeah. look good so, um, well well great well um, thank you so much like so what's what's next for you what what's on the horizon what you know what's your BHAG your big hairy audacious goal oh man <laughs> um, I think growing the watercolor workshops mm -hmm. um, and possibly doing an online offering oh, um, really? so you could take your, these courses online at home mm -hmm. um, I think that's probably the next you want to be Bob Ross exactly <laughs> for everybody for everybody <laughs> Okay. So, yeah. So just growing that and um, learning as much as I can from Imagine Media as well, um, since social media marketing is the future. It is. So I'm um, just learning how to dovetail that into my business and continue to grow. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to hearing you speak uh, this you. afternoon, and uh, I'll be the one applauding the loudest uh, <laughs> when, you're, when you're done. So thank you so much for coming Wonderful. in. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Becca. Thank you for joining the Florida State Podcast of Entrepreneurship and Innovation. If you would like to be notified of new episodes, please subscribe via your favorite player. Also, if you like the podcast, please take the time to share it on social media, give it a five-star rating, and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you enjoy your podcasts. This will help us get the word out to other entrepreneurs that the FSU Entrepreneurship Podcast has been launched.